Milk Minute podcast today is brought to you by Ag Texas Farm Credit Services here in Muleshoe, Texas. Uh, we appreciate the support that they give us uh, in other areas of our programs, but uh, for episodes five and six, they've gracious, graciously come forward to um, help sponsor those two podcasts, which we'll be sending out this week and next week. So um, James, Leslie, all the folks down there at Ag Texas, we appreciate your support. And uh, if you are in the business of looking for options, whether that's um, needing a lender or insurance services, please don't have hesitate to call those folks down there or maybe find one close to you in your, in your local area. Welcome back to the uh, Milk Minute Dairy Podcast. This is episode number five. I know that we've taken a little bit of a hiatus and, and haven't got back on the air for a while, but April was an extremely busy month and, and May was even worse. And, and unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to say it, June is looking to shape up in that same fashion. So uh, today, the, uh, the individual I have on the podcast for today is Mr. Russell Baining. And I believe he's from Poth or Floresville or somewhere down there. Oh. Both right, yeah, that's yep. both towns, right? Right southeast yep. of San Antonio. And uh, Mr. Baining, and I'm not going to call him Mr. Baining all day, I'll call you Russell. But uh, Mr. Baining is the president of Texas Farm Bureau, but he is also a dairy farmer and runs an operation down there in South Texas. And so we're very pleased to have him with us today so we can uh, visit just a little bit about his background, his operations, some topics that have come to his mind that, that, that are worth sharing and maybe a little bit on the Farm Bureau side as well at the end if we have some time. So, Russell, with, um, you know, I hope that was a good introduction for you. Uh, I, want, I want to let you, though, tell our audience and our listeners a little bit more about yourself so that we can uh, maybe move, in, move into the topic area from that standpoint. Well, good, 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 to, uh, good to be here, John. Uh, really looking forward to it and appreciate the opportunity. Uh, I do serve as president of Texas Farm Bureau, and, and uh, we, my family and I do operate a dairy right southeast of San Antonio. Um, uh, I'm not the full-time dairy farmer, so I'll be clear here. My gotcha. brother is. Uh, with, my, with my responsibilities uh, with Farm Bureau and, and, and our diversified operation, I'll talk a little bit about in a minute. Uh, my brother probably, my brother does run the dairy uh, uh, from, from that standpoint. And then we have a uh, first cousin that is our herdsman. Uh, that's not in ownership, but is in extremely high management. Uh, so that's kind of how the dairy runs right now. But a little history. Um, my uncle started dairying here almost 70 years ago. Uh, same premises, um, 1952. Uh, my dad joined him a few, my dad and mom joined him and his wife a few years later, uh, milking 65, 70 cows in a flat barn. Uh, early 60s, moved to a herringbone. Uh, Increased herd size to 200 to 250. Uh, stayed there for quite a few years. Uh, expanded the operation in the, on the farming end of it, uh, raising grains and, and uh, feed for the cattle and some cash crops. Uh, added a beef cattle operation along the way, probably in the late 60s. But uh, uh, kind of went, stayed there. And then um, uh, my uncle sold out to my, his part out to my dad, late 70s. Uh, I came back from college in the early 80s and joined my dad and mom and my brother joined us a few years later in the late 80s. Uh, so we increased herd size in the late 80s 
uh, we had really grown to about 300 in a double six herringbone. Our operation then and our operation now, even today, we graze quite a bit, especially fall, winter, and spring. Uh, it's a little bit too hot and humid to do much of that in the summer. Uh, but we still we still try to have a, a, as much grazing as we can about seven months of the year. So being that, saying that, it's hard to milk, you know, 24 hours a day, like I know a lot of big dairies do now. Uh, we, we built a, a double 12 herringbone in the late 80s, increased herd size to about 450 after my brother came back and, and uh, kind of went from there. Uh, did some renovations along the, uh, didn't do quick exits right away, did quick exits about 15, uh, 20 years ago, and we're in a double 15 right now with uh, quick exits. We still, that's kind of the history. We still graze quite a bit. Um, we still, I mean, we do feed a total mix ration year round. Uh, we tweak it depending if we're on oats or rye. Uh, so we tweak the ration accordingly. Our total mix ration is based on corn silage because we can grow good corn silage. Uh, alfalfa is, has to be shipped from about 500 miles from here. And we all know what transportation costs. So we got away from alfalfa. Well, actually we tried it for a few years, uh, 20, 20, 25 years ago, and it didn't, it didn't really pay for us. Um, everybody knows alfalfa is great feed. I'm surely not knocking alfalfa, but corn silage works for us. So that's kind of in a nutshell. I mean, we grow all our own feed and hay. Uh, we buy a little protein, of course, whether it be soybean meal, cottonseed meal, we feed whole cottonseed. Um, we, raise all, we raise all of our replacements and still have to buy a few to keep our numbers up. Uh, I know everybody has challenges where they, where they dairy. Uh, man, ours is heat and humidity. Uh, 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 even this morning when it's cooler than normal, you walk outside and it's 72 degrees already in, at daylight uh, with 65% wow. humidity. So those are our challenges. Um, that's kind of our operation in a nutshell. Uh, like I said, my, my, uh, my brother and his wife and, and my wife and I, my, my dad's still fairly active uh, in, in coming into his mid eighties. Uh, so uh, uh, that's, that's how we do it. And, and pretty much uh, uh, it works for us. A little bit more about the operation. We're pretty diversified. We farm, we farm quite a bit of grain, uh, grain sorghum and corn, uh, some cotton, uh, a lot of winter pasture, uh, oats, ryegrass, wheat. Uh, mess with some watermelons a little bit, kind of a, well, you know, kind of a one-shot deal, uh, and run a beef cattle operation. Um, we're kind of a dinosaur when you look at us that way, um, but it, it it works it works in our operation. Uh, sometimes we say we're not really, really real good at one thing. So we have to do a lot of different things, right. but uh, that's kind of our operation in a nutshell. So I don't, I don't guess that uh, your dairy cattle like watermelons, do they? <laughs> I'll tell you what, John, uh, dairy cattle, beef cattle, when you got those uh, watermelons that didn't make it for yep. whatever reason, once they, once they uh, acquire the taste for them, yep. they do yeah, like I them. I bet they do. That's kind of the same with, with uh, when guys graze pumpkins and things like that up here a little bit. So. You know, I think uh, it's uh, one of the, I guess, uh, one of the best things about the podcast and the people we've interviewed, and, and this is for sure, seems like it includes you too. Uh, you know, we talk a lot about how people get in the business. Most of it is a, is a family, a generational type thing. And I think that, uh, you know, 
with your situation too, with, with the legacy that your parents and uncle and aunt built for y'all and, and even your kids and grandkids going forward. Um, you know, I think that's an, an awesome um, thing to be a part of. And I know a lot of dairies out there are the same exact way, but with that being said, um, let's, I, I kind of want to roll into uh, the next portion of our, our visit and how, what your parents and grandparents said, said or, or yeah, what, what all your family and, and, you know, all your relatives set up for you in terms of utilizing your operation and learning how to be a part of the family operation and then rolling it back into what you even do uh, as part of, of the leadership with Texas Farm Bureau. Well, that's a good point, John. And, and you know, with uh, I think any family operation would one of the first things they would tell you is uh, it's difficult at times to, to to keep them going, to keep them moving forward, to uh, to work together as a family. I mean, uh, you know, it's yeah, you know, we as a family, we all love each other. But when you when you work together on a daily basis, uh, you know, and you have to make business decisions, you know, sometimes it's you got to separate the family from the business but you really can't separate the family from yeah. the business uh so my 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 dad my dad and uncle uh, did it for years and years uh like i said earlier my uncle sold out in the late 70s he just kind of wanted to go a different direction wanted to go try something new so you know it worked out my, my dad was ready to take it on if 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 either i or my brother wanted to come back he didn't really want to do it by himself but we weren't, uh, and he was, but he was ready to do it for a few years. So uh, the example my parents set is, is uh, you, you got to overcome those things. Uh, you got to work together. You're, you know, you're not going to agree on everything hundred percent of the time. Uh, you know, you may make a management decision. Uh, I'll use one for an example. We were, we were hosting based forever. I grew up hosting cows, black and whites, right. and that's it. And uh, my brother came back from college and it didn't take, but just a, five years or so. And he says, he says, you know, I think we ought to breed those Holstein heifers to jerseys. And man, I just about, I just about <laughs> had a heart attack. And, 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 and I was young, young then. But, but I, I said, what do we, what do you think? He says, well, he said, you know, we get a, you know, we get a little hybrid vigor. He said, you know, jerseys are more heat tolerant. And, uh, you know, I think it's one of the best decisions we made. I mean, we made, I think we made a lot of good decisions, but it was a great one. Uh, the F1s have worked for us. Awesome. Uh, we even have uh, one of about 20% of our herd right now is pure Jersey. Uh, 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 so I guess at the time, you know, I just had, my brother had kind of taken more control of the, uh, operation of the dairy. I was more in the farming and, and the beef in and, uh, uh, you know, but I thought, oh my God, I think we're going down, but we, we, yeah. we weren't. So I guess you blend that into working together and, and, and being ready to, to work with people. And, and, you know, even though it, you don't think it's a great idea at the time, give it a chance, you know, uh, uh, you know, in the same way, when you start working for an organization with an organization as a volunteer leader, whether it be farm bureau, whether it be your local dairy co-op, your national dairy co-op, uh, you know, you're going to, you're going to sit across the table from some folks that have different ideas than you do. And, and maybe they have different experiences than you do. Uh, you know, give it a chance. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, go ahead and say your piece. Uh, I said my piece at the time. I said, I don't know about this, but you know, if you want to do it, we'll do it. 
it's the same way in these organizations. Uh, uh, you know, you have your input, but then whatever decision is made, I think it's so important that everybody puts their back back into it to try to make it work. And I think that's one, you know, I think we've been successful here. And one of the reasons is we've always tried, we make a decision, even if we get down the road a little ways and we figure out maybe it wasn't the best one, we're going we're gonna to see it through and, and, and try to make it work. And then if we have to change it a little bit, well, then we change it a little bit. So, you know, I mentioned earlier, uh, we talked a, a little bit about um, the service that you do off dairy or off the farm that, that is a, truly a passion of yours. And, uh, and, and once again, I think that uh, you'd mentioned earlier, that was something that was instilled at you at an early age. So let's just kind of talk a little bit about, you know, you mentioned volunteering and serving on different boards and stuff. Let's, let's kind of talk a little bit about uh, how you see that, what our role is as, as agriculturalists and in, in participating in local and regional boards and uh, kind of some of the trends that we see in terms of membership and, and participation from that standpoint. Well, you know, you, you mentioned that it is a passion of mine, John, and it is. Uh, and, and uh, you know, I was fortunate there also. Uh, I served on a, on a county farm bureau board with my grandfather uh, for 15 years or so. And uh, uh, he served on the board for many, many years. And uh, he never served at the state level. Uh, he served on the county board. He went to a lot of state meetings. Uh, my, dad, my dad was on the county farm bureau board for a while and actually served as county president. But then he got pretty much involved in co-op, uh, uh, in, in co-op business and in, in co-op uh, leadership. He was on the AMPI board, one of the early, early co-ops, which moved. And then, and then when they merged with other co-ops into DFA. So my dad was busy there. Uh, my grandfather told me about six months after I got married in the early eighties, he said, you need to be on the farm bureau board. And I said, I said, I called him Papo. I said, Papo, I don't have time for that. I said, I'm busy. I mean, we're out here milking cows and farming and, you know, I, I, I don't have time for that. And he says, yeah, you have time for that. He said, uh, uh, and I, he said, if you don't, if you don't take care of your business, no one else will. And I thought about that and I thought about it. So I, I, I you know, I, I, I agreed to, to get on the County Farm Bureau board, got involved in the Young Farmer and Rancher program in Farm Bureau and was able to do it because I had the support from home. At that time, my brother wasn't here yet. He was, he was off at college, but, but my dad and mom supported me. And I, you gotta have that support from home. I can't, I, you know, with, with a family operation, or if you, if you don't have a family operation, you better have some very key employees. But anyway, uh, I've kind of tweaked my grandfather's saying along the way. Uh, I don't think he'd mind. I feel like if, if we don't take care of our industry and be involved in our industry and dairying, uh, row crops, beef, doesn't make any difference, whatever we're talking about here. If we don't take care of our industry and have our input to what's important to us, then somebody else will. It's not that no one else will. And some of their ideas, as we, as we right, rightly know right now, uh, there's different ideas out there than those of us that are actually doing what we do. And uh, so I think it's important that, that our message is heard from the folks that do it on a daily basis. And I go back to the same thing. Uh, you got to have that support. You got right now serving as I do. Uh, you know, my brother's here you know, 95% of the time, 99% of the time. Uh, 
I'm, I'm not. Uh, so you got to have that support. And uh, uh, the importance of it, uh, you know, you just, I, I don't know how to stress it enough. When you, when you have a, when, when, when it goes back to when you make that decision as a board, as an organization, it carries more weight than just if Russell Banning takes that message to right. someone. Uh, and, and it just carries more weight. You can say, well, you know, we had, you know, this is, this is Farm Bureau stance. This is the co-ops. This is the co-ops uh, position. So I, I, that's where I think the importance really comes I in. I think uh, we see uh, it's kind of cyclical too, in terms of uh, encouraging people to serve in volunteer positions at the local level, which, you know, uh, like in your case, turns into maybe something a little bit more bigger. Um, and, and your, your duties are often, you get into something like that, they, they increase as well. But I think the main thing is getting uh, the younger, younger people, uh, the younger operators who are just, you know, have young families and starting out to encourage them to uh, serve on, on boards that they are passionate about, whether that's Farm Bureau or, or uh, you know, the stock show board or whatever it may be. Um, because, I, you know, I, I, as a county agent, I get to deal with a lot of different boards and be on different boards and uh, and I'm not going to, I don't mean this uh, negatively, but those boards aren't getting any younger, you know? And so, uh, you know, I guess that if, if we have younger folks listening to this episode, I hope that they can take that to heart and understand that, uh, like you said, make sure you have a good um, a backing in whatever you're doing uh, to take up the slack when you're not able to be there, but encourage them to go ahead and step out there and do something out, outside the box they never thought about doing. Let me just add to what you just said, John. I ran into a young man that had, had been through one of our leadership programs in Farm Bureau just a couple of weeks ago, uh, actually up in the in the Lubbock area, uh, and was up there for a meeting and and got to talking. And I said, "Well, are you, are you involved in in your county Farm Bureau right now?" Because he went through our leadership program. He said, "No, no, I'm just you know we kind of changed our operation. We we're doing some we're doing some organic growing and and we're you know we're kind of busy. Of course, the kids are." you know, junior high age and getting into high school. And, and I said, look, I said, I understand. You can't do a whole lot, maybe. I said, but, you know, do what you can. Do what you can. You'd be surprised if you just, you know, if you're on your county board and, and you know, they're going to say, well, you need to go three days to an annual meeting in San Antonio. No, I can't do that necessarily, but I can do something right here. You know, I can do something here locally. I, I guess, I guess just if I could sum it up, do what you can, you know, do, you know, because you, you got a little bit of time and you, you probably want to get away from your operation every now and then a little bit. And you made a good point. Stock show committee, local school boards, uh, uh, any of those things, you know, and, you know, I'll put a plug in for Farm Bureau. I think we do a great job uh, for agriculture, but there's a lot of folks out there that are, that are doing, doing good things. And, you know, and involvement is, is important. And I think you made it, you made, you said something about being cyclical and, and I think you're right. Uh, but I just think we have to keep carrying that message, how important it is. And then when they do, when folks participate now, they want to feel like they, they've accomplished, they're accomplishing right. something. They don't want to just go to a meeting to have, to have, uh, have tacos and, and coffee or something. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm sorry. Right, I, right. You know, that, 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 that's great to do it, but, but you need to feel like you're, you're, you're yeah, contributing. They, they, uh, people that uh, do want more, they want to feel like they have more skin in the game nowadays. And I think that's be because their that's time right. is precious. And so if if they feel like they're going to something that's uh, uh, not a good uh, manager, their, their extra time, they're not going to put as much into it. So uh, let's get back a little bit to the dairying. 
part or, or even just your operation. Uh, you mentioned earlier about labor. Um, that, that to me seems like that is a, a huge issue and can be a, a limiting factor for a lot of these guys as they, uh, as they do their day-to-day operations on the dairies or the farms. You, uh, what, do you, what are your thoughts about that? Well, you know, John, you, you, you made a comment earlier when we were talking about different boards and stuff about not getting any younger. And, and I'll use our operation as an example. We, we have a core group of about uh, 10 or 12 people that's dairy and farming operation. And, and they, are, they are excellent. I mean, they, they've been with us. Several of them have been with us a lot of years. Uh, but, but that's a good thing. They have a lot of good experience. But it also means that they're nearing retirement age. And we, we are finding it more and more difficult to say, okay, who's, you know, who's going to take this job? You know, who's going to be, who's going to be my, who's going to be my next feed, you know, feed mixer? Who's going to be my next uh, main tractor driver when it comes to the farming operation? You know, we're, you know, compared to, you know, to some dairies up in your area, we're a small dairy. We understand that. Uh, uh, I can only imagine what, you know, what some of the labor situations they're, they're facing. We, we, we have to, you know, and it, I'm not going to, this is not a, this is not a partisan statement, but we do need to come up with a, a better guest worker program in this country. Uh, immigrant, legal immigrant labor has always done a lot of these jobs, whether it's in agriculture, whether it's in construction, whether it's in the service industry, I mean, those are, those are facts. Those are indisputable facts. And that, that, that guest worker program needs to be improved. And, and, and I think we've taken that message. We've taken that message to, to, to every administration over the past few years, to every congressperson and senator, both sides right. of the aisle. Uh, and, and I think a lot of folks understand, but we do understand that we understand the immigration issue is a, is a hot hot button issue, whatever you want to call it. It gets emotional at times. Um, it, it gets, but, but the labor situation, I, I, I think that's one of the biggest, whenever you go to any meeting, uh, you know, dairy meeting, farm bureau meeting, um, that's always at the top of the list is, is, is trying to, 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 to get a, get a, a stable legal workforce uh, uh, to, to operate these dairies because, you know, the other, the other choice is if I, you know, kind of simple, if we don't raise our food here, then our food has to come from somewhere else. And I think, I think anytime, especially when you go through what we went through the past 16, 18 months with the pandemic, uh, man, I, I, I know we had some disruptions in our food supply. There's no doubt about it. We all know those. But I can only imagine what it would have been like if we would rely on a major part of our food from 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 foreign sources. Right. That you know that 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 I think that's one reason. But it, it's just one of those issues that that I know everybody's been working on, and um, uh, hopefully we'll we'll come up with a solution in the so near future. So, do you future. think that, like you talk about some of your workforce on your operation, do you see an interest from maybe a younger? sort of subset of generation that wants to pursue some of that work or not, or, they, or is it just kind of, you just, if you get lucky and find somebody, you find somebody, if not, you don't. It's, it's, it, it, there's every now and then we'll run across one or two, but it's, 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 it's kind of slim right now. And it's, and it, it really is. 
you, you know, we like I said, we're not all we're not all gray beards around here, but but uh, uh, you know, our workforce is 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 up on the is up on the more experienced side. And uh, uh, man, I'll, I'll work with any young person that that wants to learn to do wants to learn to do a job. I mean, that, that's really the bottom line. And it's there's there's a there's a few, but it's it's still a challenge. And just sum it up like that. It's it is well, a challenge. I, you know, moving forward, and hopefully with people that serve on many more boards and are a little bit more of a higher pay grade than I am, uh, that they they're working on some solutions to uh, be able to address those situations. Because like you know, it doesn't matter if you're a big dairy, small dairy, big farm, small farm. Everybody needs help. You know, uh, and so. Right. Um, we see that up here quite a bit as well, too. And so um, hopefully there'll be some solutions coming in the future for you guys to relieve some of you a little bit. Um, you know, we're kind of getting towards the end of our conversation. And, uh, you know, I, I, I usually typically I like to wrap it up a little bit. But if, you know, there's anything else that you'd like to visit about, um, you know, uh, I, I think that I was just thinking a minute ago, I said, what what am I going to title this episode? And I think uh, – it's been one of the one of the coolest conversations I've had because it, it it's allowed us to learn about a whole nother you know person from a different part of, of Texas uh, that that's involved in the industry in a couple different ways and how that industry and how you were brought up has affected you in other areas of public service and so um, it's always nice to to meet people that um, have a true connection to. Uh, the production of food and fiber and, uh, and, and also can serve in the capacities that you've served in. And so, um, you know, that's an awesome opportunity to be able to visit with you. Appreciate it, John, quite a bit. I don't have a whole lot to add, but while you, I just want one thing I think we need to, to realize, and I, I think those of us in production agriculture realize this, but for those that are, that are not, you know, directly involved in production agriculture, there's, there's all types of operations. I mean, you just mentioned large dairies, small dairies, you know, everything in between. And, and uh, you, you know, there's different types of production. There's different sizes. Uh, and, you know, there's organic, there's conventional. You can go on and on. Uh, same way in the other industries and in, in, in beef and, 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 uh, and, and grow crops and stuff like that. There's room for everyone. There's, there's, there's a place, in my opinion, uh, that, that works, if it works for you, uh, if it works for that particular operation. And, and my message to, to, to the folks in, in, in non-production agriculture, it, all of those things don't mean that any one is better than the other, or it doesn't mean that any type of product, uh, uh, method of production is more safe than the other, uh, because we have a very safe mm -hmm. food supply in this country, whether it's organic, whether it's conventional, uh, you know, I think people need to realize some of it's just a, a, a method of production, a method that works for that particular area and, and for that particular producer. So that, that's one thing that I think we're trying to we're trying to carry that message because there's a lot of talk now about sustainability and and and, and those type of things. And uh, which is which is fine. Uh, I mean, I, I think I think we need to be we need to be very cognizant of of, of climate and taking care of our resources. Uh, but that doesn't mean that there's a certain type of method of production that's that is more uh, 
capable right, of doing right. that. And, you know, uh, just to kind of wrap back around to something you said earlier, especially during the pandemic and talking about where our food comes from, I think one of the coolest things for agriculture during that, during that time, it, well, A, it made you realize how many people uh, rely heavily on the grocery store system. And when things aren't stocked, and it's not normal in the United States for that, and how much um, fear, you know, goes to their minds. And if anything happened, I thought that was good out of that whole situation. People finally started learning how to search for their own food. You know, they would reach out to their local beef, beef farmer, or they'd reach out to uh, some niche type deal looking for their food. I mean, look at how much, look at how much beef is being sold, you know, in the back of pickup trucks or whatever they're doing. Uh, you know, uh, it's amazing that that, uh, that happened. It's almost like we're a spoiled society because we get so reliant on the stores to bring it all in and keep it fresh. And, you know, when that kind of gets in, gets in your system and goes away a little bit, you kind of have to be more of a hunter and gatherer at that point, you know? Yeah. 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 So anyway, um, yeah. Russell, awesome, awesome conversation. Thank you for, uh, spending, uh, some of your time with us this morning. I know you're a busy guy and, um, you know, I hope that, uh, the rest of your year goes well. I don't, I have no desire to be around, uh, that high humidity that you, you guys deal with it. So, you know, I'll pray for you. Uh, I don't know how you guys deal with it. I don't even know if you get used to it, but, uh, hopefully your, your, your summer goes well and maybe you'll get some rain too. Well, I'll, I'll sum this up. You, the, the, we say that when, when it gets to be like June, July, August, and September, the main reason we milk cows is so we don't forget how. <laughs> Man, I bet that's, I bet that is absolute truth. Absolute truth. Although your country in the wintertime is, is very, very pleasant. So, um, and, and so, yes, sir. And that's why we're able to do what we do yeah, in yeah. the wintertime. Well, Russell, like I said, awesome conversation. Thank you for being on here with me. Um, we will uh, be, be dropping this episode later this week once we get the, get this edited. And uh, we hope that uh, we can share that with you and, and your family and some of your supporters down there. And, and, and they can use that uh, to maybe listen to us ramble all morning or something if they need to spend some time. But like I said, appreciate you being on. And um, I hope you have a wonderful afternoon. Well, appreciate it, John. Appreciate what Thank you do you. as well. Uh -huh. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye.